Welcome, and thank you for listening to this episode of Leaps and Bounds. I'm your host, Tom Bash, and I'm thrilled to be bringing you conversations with some of the most successful CEOs, sales leaders, and home improvement professionals. When I started in this industry 20 years ago, tearing off roofs, I had no idea about what went into making a home improvement business successful. Now, having met with thousands of contractors, helping them adopt technology, and watching them grow, I'm excited to invite them on to share what's made them successful, what they're doing today to stay ahead of their competition, and the advice they have for others. On today's episode, I'm joined by Brad Gardner of Hometown Restoration. Listen as we talk about how his start as an insurance agent fueled his desire to help homeowners navigate the insurance claims process and get paid properly. We'll discuss his preferred method of lump sum contracts and explore why it's such an effective method when dealing with your average residential roof replacement. He'll share his step-by-step approach and the key phrase that helps homeowners break the back and forth of delays and denials that homeowners often face when trying to settle a claim. Well, I'm excited to get this show started, so let's go. Hey, Brad, welcome to the show. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, uh, you know, Brad, before we dive into what we're going to talk about today, I'd love it if you could give our listeners just a sense of, you know, how you ended up in this industry. Yeah. Okay. So, um... Well, I was an insurance agent and, uh, I, we had, you know, I've been an agent for about three years, uh, with a company out of Alabama and had, had done really, really well with them. But, um, I, I'd done well because I told all of my clients that if they ever had a claim, even though my premiums were a little bit more than other premiums, we would always show up with the checkbook. And, uh, what happened was we had a big hailstorm. And it wasn't long before everybody was mad at me because we, we weren't really doing a good job of paying out. And uh, so I ended up switching sides. Uh, I left that insurance agency and uh, got into the roofing business and started helping folks get paid properly. And that's kind of been the premise. Uh, I, I, I've been doing that the entire time. That, that was, that was been what got me as a salesman. That was my, that was my goal was just to help people get paid properly. And then when I started my own company, it was always going to be about the customer first thing. And, uh, we've, we've carried forward and, you know, it's like how many more people can we help? And so now I try and help contractors and other people, uh, learn how to do it. So, you know, everybody can get paid properly. That's kind of the goal. Yeah. I love that. Uh, and you know, we're going to talk more today about lump sub contracts, uh, but I'd like to maybe just back up a little bit and have you tell us more about your experience as an insurance agent and the role that you played. I know you didn't do much with claims, but maybe you can shed some light on what your role was. Yeah. So, you know, your agent, your agent really isn't, they don't teach you much about claims. They kind of keep the sales of insurance completely separate from the claims part. Right. Um, So they hire the guy that's, you know, you know, the good, the guy, good guy at the church and, or, or whatever community he's in and they bring him in and uh, he sells everybody insurance. And then they don't want that guy doing the, doing the paying out because he'll just give away the farm. <laughs> right. So they, they hire a completely different personality right. to do that. Yeah. So my, we, before, before getting into the storm that we had the, in 2013, I had really no experience with claims. I mean, I don't, I don't think I, I knew anything about how it paid out. It was kind of a trial by fire. Like I, I just knew how to sell it, you yeah. know, 
and uh, hey, give me a premium, and we'll we'll be there with the checkbook when you when you need something. Right. And that's not what happened, you know. So I really wasn't much about claims or any claims experience that I knew. Um, it was really more of I dove into it, started figuring it out, and learning the rules because my clients were getting you know mad at me. Yeah. So that's kind of what happened. It, it, I, you know, I had I had one particular case where you know I lost a, a big farm policy with a father and a son uh, because we ended up paying out uh, like twelve thousand five hundred dollars after the deductible, and then the guy roofed it himself, and then the adjuster goes back and starts demanding like ten thousand dollars back. Uh. You know, it was all based on cost incurred. So I I didn't really I, I learned that the hard way by losing a big customer. Right. And like, that's when I, I was like, okay, maybe I need to figure out exactly what needs to happen to make sure that these people get taken care of. And that's, that's, that's when I started diving into the, the actual rules and what, what, what could be done and couldn't be done so I can help my customers. Um, and that, that's how I found out about it. So. Yeah. Yep. No, I, uh, you know, I really appreciate that story because I feel like you're really passionate about the issue and you look to help others really understand it. Um, before we dive into more around the insurance process, tell us a little bit about Hometown Restorations. Yeah, so uh, after after leaving my, um, my my insurance company that I was working with, I, I worked with uh, another roofer for a little while. Um, and just like any, any good uh, salesman in this industry, uh, we had a falling out over money and uh, I ended up going home broke. Um, so I moved home to my hometown of Natchez, Mississippi, um, with, uh, literally nothing. I started with my, my grandfather, let me borrow the $57 to start the LLC. And, uh, I had a guy that ended up being a salesman for me, give me the hundred dollars to, uh, open a bank account. And, uh, we, we started grinding. I was, oh. I was living on my grandmother's couch in my, in my hometown. And, uh, I know how important it was to be local. So we yeah. really played, that's about the only thing we had that we could play up that we were local. So, um, <laughs> you know, my brother and I, and one salesman and we took off and, uh, we went out there and we were hometown restoration and that's kind of how it started. And, wow. uh, it has since grown, um, you know, we're six States deep and, and, uh, do, do 10 million plus a year. And uh, it's been a wild ride, and I'm surrounded by some amazing people um, and, and extremely fortunate because I, I watch that same story happen a lot. And uh, I watch folks, folks lose their shirt, you know, yeah. over, over the, trying, to, trying to make it. It's really a lottery, and I feel like I've won the lottery a, a lot of days because, you know, if it weren't, if it weren't for the folks that, that really took hometown into their heart and made it something real, I wouldn't be here. Yeah. So. Yep. No, absolutely. Um, I'd love to dive into this lump sum contracts, but first maybe you can give our listeners a little bit of a background of how the insurance restoration market operates today. I know some of our listeners are familiar or have heard about Xactimate and that, but you know, give us a little bit of a better understanding of what that looks like and you know, how the industry operates today or at least has operated. Yeah. So, well, you, you can kind of back up even further behind the day to really understand how we got where we are. So, you know, there's, it used to be, you know, what, what, well, what insurance does 
in any case, and, and a good one-liner for it, is insurance is there to replace you in the case of a loss. So um, also on top of that, anytime you profit from insurance, it, it, it's a fraud. So the, the only thing insurance is supposed to do is replace you in the event of a loss. So if you total your car, it's supposed to replace you for your car. If, if someone dies, life insurance is going to replace that person based on the preset value that y'all, you know, you decide. So um, replacement of loss is what insurance is about. So the way that was determined with property insurance was if you had like repairs that were deemed a loss from a, a and a sudden loss at that, um, you would turn in your invoices and, you know, the adjuster would take a look at it make sure that it was, you know, in line and they would pay out. And kind of what happened, this is, you know, pre-computers, right? So what happened was the adjusters and the contractors would get a little greedy. So they would beef up uh, estimates and say if it was a $10,000 job and the folks had a $1,000 deductible, they'd say, hey, we're going to beef this up to 12000 and we'll take care of your deductible. And, and maybe, maybe the adjusters might have friends that they would take care of or contractors that they would pass all of the work to and they would approve this contractor's work to do. There was a lot of, you know, handshaking going on. And so insurance companies needed a way to standardize what was, what was being paid out. So right about that time, here comes Xactimate in the early 2000s, which was a estimating program. And it's supposed to update monthly on prices for labor and materials in the area. And, that, you know, you put in your zip code and you'll go in there and you'll list out each individual thing. And it bids on what's called a cost plus basis. So it takes the, the, the actual line items for each thing, each pipe boot, each nail, and it says this is the cost and here's the profit percentage that we can add on top of it. And they send that out and the home, they take the homeowner's deductible away from that number. And, you know, that's what's paid out on a replacement cost policy. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And, uh, you know, I guess one of the things that I see a lot and, and you know, maybe maybe the word fighting is harsh, but there's a lot of disagreement about, you know, what an insurance carrier wants to pay and what a contractor feels a job costs. So that's what's happened. And fighting isn't harsh. It's an all out war at this point. Um, it wasn't when when I started and early on, but the the uh, delay and deny tactics that insurance companies use has, in my opinion, crossed the crossed the boundaries of fraud and blown the doors wide open on that. Like it's it's they would rather uh, they would rather go to court. And, and fight on the back end than they would you know, pay properly. It's more profitable for them to go through the court system, uh, you know, drag people in their homes through years of settlement. I have a friend of mine, uh, Doug Quinn, who's the executive director of the APA. This is why he started the American Policyholder Association. Um, he, he went seven years before he was able to get back in his home from Hurricane Sandy. Um, you know, that, that it's, it has gotten real egregious and i mean just it's bad um every claim is an all-out battle 
and they use this program Xactimate to manipulate pricing. Um, they'll say things like, we don't pay for pipe boots or we won't pay for decking uh, if it needs to be redecked or we won't pay for these windows, uh, you know, that, that lost their seal. Uh, whatever it is, they'll, 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 everything is an argument in the battle and you're not dealing with your local adjuster who you have to see in the store or who has to see you for that matter. You're dealing with some desk adjuster across the country. You're dealing with some guy that they shipped in from a TPA firm. Like you almost never deal with a local guy. And, and, and it's, you know, it's by design. They, they hire people that have like an engineer uh, mindset that are completely interested in things, not people. And they'll, they'll ship a man across the country to where he'll never have to see you again. And they give him a bonus if he underpays claims on, on his loss ratio. And it's, they completely set the system up to, to take advantage of homeowners. So we, we, you know, try to battle that within the lines as much as we can. Yeah. And so uh, one of the ways that you do battle this is with lump sum contracts. So talk to us a little bit about the difference between lump sum and cost plus. So cost plus is exactly what X, uh, I said exactly what it is. It's, it, it's where they take the cost of a project uh, or what they presume a cost will be, and you add a percentage to it, and that's your final number. So a lot, and, and cost plus bidding and lump sum bidding are the two ways that you can do a bid on any construction project. So, I mean, if you were going to do uh, a large skyscraper, right, in New York, there are so many variables that you can't really guess what it's going to cost. Like, so you'll, you'll do what's, you'll do an estimate. It says we estimated a cost a uh, hundred million dollars. Right. And that's based on a cost plus we're going to lock in a 30% profit for us. So if it ends up being 120, you're carrying that risk. So if we have like, you know, the price of steel goes up over the next three years while we're, uh, you know, building the skyscraper, whatever the material deal may be, we can supplement on the back end and send you uh, uh, our final bill because we're going to lock in our 30%. And that's what cost plus is. Lump sum says, hey, look, um, we estimate that it's going to be $110 million to build that skyscraper. And we take all of the risk on the, on the price changing. So we say we can build it for 110. There will be no changes. We're locked in right there. So if you're if you're the, the city that's trying to approve your new skyscraper and you're like, okay, I've got a hundred million here uh, with an open checkbook at the end, or I can lock it in at 110 million, you might want to go with a lump sum estimate on something like a skyscraper. Um, now, when we bring that back down to you know home remodeling and home restoration construction, you start looking at it as, you know, well, this isn't really a complicated project. This is like shingles felt and nails. There's not really much risk that me as a contractor is going to get that wrong, right? So I can pretty much look at a roof and tell you down to the box of nails what it's going to cost. So this is what I'll do the job for. And this is, I know that I'll have my profit margin in there. And if for some reason I measured it two squares short, or something, that's on me, right? And that's what lump sum is. Um, that doesn't really work for an insurance company. Uh, they would, because they'd rather manipulate the line items. They'd rather argue you down for things that, you know, you're still going to go put that ice and water shield, even if state farm denies it. Right. So they would, they win 
by winning on the on the small fights. They win by saying, "Oh, if we can shave a thousand dollars off of each one of our claims, we could save a hundred million a year." And that's that's why they do it that way. But no one, no one is, no contractor has to subscribe to one way or the other. Just whatever you want to do. So your estimate is and your bid is what you'll do the job for. You just have to be upfront with how you're doing it. So if this is a cost plus bid, this is what it costs. And I'm not moving. And the homeowner doesn't have to pick what contractor or, or what the insurance company wants them to go with. So the homeowner gets to say, this is my contractor. This is how much it costs. Pay me for my invoice. Now, all of that's how it's supposed to work. And what happens is, let's say that, and you can see how that can be taken advantage of. I'm sure some of the listeners right now are like, well, I'll just write it for $50,000 and it's 15,000, like, right? right? So there's an appraisal process. And it was insurance companies that actually wrote this into policies and in their arbitration agreement because of this reason. They said, well, we don't want to overpay. We have to, we have to pay in the event of a loss, but we don't want to overpay. So if we can't come to an agreement on price, we will go to a third-party appraisal. And this is where the homeowner and the insurance company hire each hire a third party and they have an arbitration. So at this point in the game, because the, of like the overwhelming, I, I keep calling it fraud because I guess it just is, that happens on the insurance company, it is like 99.9% .9 of the time in the favor of the homeowner to demand an appraisal. Um, there will always be more money that comes out at appraisal. I've never once gotten to an appraisal process and the homeowner not be awarded more money, right? So it's like, here's the estimate. If you don't like it, take me to appraisal. And that's what the homeowner needs to say every time. And yeah. that's, how we, that's how we set it up. So, um, and so, so to sort of summarize here, a big difference with cost plus is that the client assumes the risk, whereas... Uh, the contractor is going to assume the risk with lump sum. Is that is that correct? Correct, correct, correct. Yeah. So, how do you get it to the point that a homeowner understands, and I guess is empowered to you know to tell the the insurance company that they either need to pay their contractor or or evoke their right to appraisal? Well, you have to walk on a fine line. Uh, insurance companies have you know lobbied for laws like you know unlicensed practice of public adjusting. And stuff. So, uh, uh, in, in, a, in a, a roundabout way, I guess the the best way to say it is for the homeowner needs to refer to their arbitration agreement in their policy, and read the read how that goes. Now, the, they've never read a page of that policy. You know, um, no homeowner does. No, no one does. Right? It's, it would take an insurance agent or, or some adjuster that you know, had to learn it to understand what any of that stuff is, uh, or a lawyer for that matter. Um, so going and telling the homeowner, Hey, you, you have rights outlined in your policy and this is the page they're on is a good start. Right. So we want to tell them, you know, check out how the arbitration agreement works. Um, everybody pretty much understands in 2021, at least most of my clients that, Hey, the insurance company is gonna, gonna try and, you know, pay as little as possible. It affects their bottom line. And, you know, we're, we're going to build high just because we're going to have to come down and meet them in the middle kind of thing. So, you know, everybody kind of understands that's how it works. 
we just, we tell them we are always ready to settle if it's reasonable. So if, if the homeowner takes a look at our estimate and says, you know what, I, I agree. Uh, and we ask them before we ever submit an estimate to an insurance company, we'll sit down and we'll say, here's what the insurance company paid you. Here's what we think should have been paid. Um, do you agree with everything here? And if it's like any questions, we answer them. There it is. So when the homeowner understands your estimate and we submit it to the insurance company together, we explain to the homeowner, look, the next step is they're going to call back and argue. It wouldn't matter how perfect our estimate is. They're going to call and argue. So rather than drag this through a, a long drawn out process, they, and they will, as long as you let them, they'll keep dragging it out. They'll give you 500 bucks, 300 bucks, you know, and they'll just keep nickel and diamond you until they, until you stop calling. Um, what we want to do is just kind of set a firm stance up front. So we have everyone remember to say, uh, either pay my contractor's invoice or take me to appraisal. And, and it's that one, we boil the one job that the homeowner has down to that one line, either pay my contractor's invoice or take me to appraisal. Because if I'm wrong, Mr. Customer, it's going to come out of the appraisal. If they're wrong, it's going to come out of the appraisal. So uh, what happens most of the time, Mr. Customer, is they're going to call me and they're going to say, Brad, what do we got to do to settle? We don't want to go to appraisal. It's going to cost us money to send a guy out there. It's going to cost us. We know we're going to lose the appraisal anyway. What do we got to do to settle this thing? And that's where I get to come to the table. But otherwise, they'll just keep dragging it out. Right, right. Now, if I'm a contractor, um, you know, I've got to know my costs, right? <laughs> I can't just go out there and say, uh, this roof is, you know, whatever, and come up with a price. Uh, also, it's important to know when to settle, right? So what advice do you have for contractors uh, about understanding what their price is? Well, it's, it's amazing that uh, any business owner, contractor, anything alike, would, would go, be in business and not know what their cost is. But what, what has happened is we have great grandbabies of companies that only know exact me, right? So you have, you have companies that have had bad practices and the company they came from had bad practices and so on. So we have to kind of get back to that. Like if, if you're going to be a, a lump sum contractor, you have to know if you're profitable or not and uh exact you can't rely on exactimate to be that profitable tool for you it's just not it's just not feasible i mean uh when when your overhead as a contractor may be different than mine and, and we're running off of the same program one of us may be losing money one of us may be making money we don't know because we, we're, we're relying on some some other third party to say if we should or shouldn't be profitable. That's just not scalable. That's not, that's, that's not any way to run a business in, in, in any format. I don't care if it's contracting or, or, or you know, owning a pizza shop. So I, I kind of talk about that in my, in my talk about um, lump sum, you know, contracting. It's like, you know, Domino's or any other pizza shop for that matter, when they sell you a pepperoni pizza, I mean, the, the, the receipt says one large pepperoni pizza in 1995, but it doesn't tell you, okay, we've got three ounces of cheese, four ounces of sauce, and 35 uh, pepperonis on it. But I can guarantee you 
that Domino's knows exactly what a pepperoni costs. You know, down to the fraction of the penny, how much each one of them is, and what they've got invested in that pizza before they put it out there in 1995. So you have to do the same thing in your business. Like, what exactly does it cost to drive one nail into a roof, and have that listed out, and and always be able to adjust that in some format. It's like price are adjusting, labor adjusts, cost of materials adjusts, overhead adjusts, and you need to you need to be able to adjust that on your back end. So you know what to present and how to be profitable. Right, right. So, O'Brien, what's the process here for a contractor? Are they just taking this and handing an estimate over to the homeowner? Are they waiting on something from the insurance company? What happens uh, first year? What you know? What's the process look like? Yeah, we always want to we always want to get the first scope of work from the insurance company um, for a, a couple of reasons. The main reason that you want to wait uh, and, and not give it up is we want the insurance company to admit that there's damage and admit that they're responsible for it first. Because if there's no damage and, and, and if they're not responsible for damage, then they don't have a right to know what the homeowner is paying, you know, for their new roof. Right. So we want them to admit that they're responsible. And I see this sometimes in you'll have, you'll have a insurance company come out and deny the roof. And then, uh, We'll, we'll tell them it needs to be replaced. And they're like, well, we need to see pictures and an estimate before we'll agree to uh, replace it. It's like, no, you can bring yourself back out here and do a readjustment. You can send me pictures and an estimate, right? It's right. like, you know, you haven't admitted to being responsible for it yet. So you'll get that when you get, when, when you say you're responsible. So that's the, that's the first thing. Um, we want to kind of hold that close to our chest. Another thing is, is what if, uh, you know, we've gone out there and done our inspection or we sent a project manager out there to do our inspection and he missed an awning or an outbuilding or, uh, you know, a, a, a gutter system or something like that that needed to be paid for that. Otherwise we were just looking at the roof. So we send off our little estimate and uh, up front, and, you know, we could be, we could be leaving money on the table uh, or at least trades on the table. Right. So we want, we want, and that, that, that doesn't happen near as often as the first example, right? You know, typically when we write something up, we're going to be going, for, we're swinging for everything out there that's feasible. Um, but sometimes it happens. Sometimes we miss some stuff and, uh, you know, we could be shooting ourselves in the foot and leaving, leaving uh, uh, some trades on the table that we, we, would, we would have otherwise gotten. So we always want to get their scope of work first. And then we'll turn around and we'll we'll create ours and send it and, and go over everything with the insurance company uh, with the customer, and then send it to the insurance company. Right. Yeah. And Brad, if I remember correctly, I think you referenced this piece about holding your cards, sort of a a poker analogy. And if I remember correctly, you were a poker player or are a poker player. Uh, yeah, I was. I I, I played <laughs> a little bit. I, I you know I still kind of play a little bit, but not as serious as I used to. Um, it that's that's the deal. It it you know you never. When you're playing poker, you don't you don't show your hand uh, until the customer calls, uh, until the I said the customer, until the other player calls, <laughs> right? Right. And right. so, and, and you don't you're not going to show your hand to the insurance company until they say, okay, yeah, it's damaged, and, and that, and then once they do, it's like, okay, well, here's our hand, right? And and, and that's 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 how we start. And it, truth be told, man, that's just courteous in in, in any form. Uh, the reason why it's done in the poker world, I mean, that, I think it is a rule, but 
you know, just at a little home game, you know, if someone puts their time, energy, and money out there uh, on the table, and you know, you get to and you get to see their cards once you once you've called and met with that. So once the insurance company has given us time and, and energy and, and willing to put money towards the loss, then then we'll come to the table and lay our cards out and say, okay, here's where we are. You know, that, it's just customary. Yeah. Yep. And there, there's a lot of information that you can gather out of that. You know, it's it's been years since I've I've played poker, but I, I used to play quite a bit, and uh, uh, I can certainly see the analogy between um, you know what what transpires during a, a poker game and uh, you know what we're talking about here today. It, and well, it, it you know poker in a lot of ways is a lot like life. You know, uh, and and my and my this little humble. Uh, I guess, uh, understanding of it, but you know, you, you, you're given, you're given cards to work with and then there's a playing field and every, that everyone's working with. And it's like, how can you extract value, uh, from this? And, you know, sometimes that you may not be able to extract value about it. Sometimes you may even lose. Right. But that's, that's yeah. just kind of how it works. So the, the, the way it, the order at which it takes place, you can, you can teach a lot. I mean, that's not just the poker. That's with a lot of sports and a lot of different things that you do. Uh, and so those things, they carry the, the, the traditions that are in that carry over and spill over into a lot of things in your life. And I don't think that this is any different. Yeah, no, I agree. And so, so now after you've done this and you've talked to the homeowner and you've gone over, you know, what it's going to take to make the homeowner whole, if you will, the next process is then to send that invoice to the insurance company. Uh, you know, what role does the homeowner now play in all of this? Uh, you know, they're just waiting to hear back from the adjuster. Uh, the, the, the homeowner, you know, we, we try to keep as much control over the deal as possible. Um, so the, you know, from start to finish, we've, we've been on the, on the one uh, speaking with the adjuster and, 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 and you know, making sure that the damages are covered, covered, and then uh, you know we 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 always want to be the one that submits it to the insurance company. So you know the homeowner is sitting there kind of waiting, and that's the great that's the great thing about it is they're they're waiting on their one job. I got one job, and that's when that insurance company comes back and says, "Nope, I ain't letting them, I ain't letting them get away with that." I'm gonna tell them they could either pay my contractor, or we're taking it to appraisal. Mm-hmm. That's their one job, right? And, and, and it's awesome because the homeowner is your teammate, right? He's, yeah, look, man, this is how you're going to hit them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to distract them up front. And I want you to come in from the side when they're not expecting it, right? Yeah. So he's the teammate. And then when we do that, guess what? When, when, the, when, the, when the homeowner tells the insurance company, either pay my contractor or take me to appraisal, everything after that point, we're now waiting on the insurance company. They hadn't paid me. They hadn't, they hadn't agreed to appraisal yet. Uh, there's no, there's no reason for a customer to be mad at me because we hadn't started. Like, I don't know. I want to, I can't wait to start the job, Mr. Customer, but you know, these people won't, won't, won't do what they're supposed to do. You know, call them again, let them know, yep. take me to appraisal. Yep. <laughs> and, 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 and it gives the homeowner a job, right? And, yeah. and, and, and otherwise they just say, well, my stupid contractor won't settle and <laughs> fix my house. Right. Right. So <laughs> I love it. Uh, so now what percentage of claims actually go to, to appraisal? Uh, you know, that, that would probably be something that would better be on the macro. I can tell from my, my little experience, not many, you know, sure. we, uh, maybe one in 10 somewhere in there will end up like, and that, 
and half of those is just some desk adjuster that doesn't know that he's about to lose, you know, because no one ever does it, right? He's right. he's heard about appraisals, uh, but no one ever, no one ever's like put him in one, and then like he finds out, oh wait, you know, we lost that, you know. Uh, I, if more people did it, uh, or more people put it out there, I think there would be less of them. But um, most of the time, what happens is is the insurance company decides they don't want to deal with their hot headed customer; they'd rather deal with you. And, and then, so now we get to get on the phone and we get to settle with the insurance company. And that's, that's where coming back to knowing the cost of your pizza is so important because you, you have to know what margin you're willing to settle at. And it's like, you know, yeah, we, we, we swung at a 45% margin, but we'll take 40, you know, and, exactly. and being, being able to say that, you know, otherwise you're sitting there, it's like, okay, uh, we swung at 20,000, but the insurance company wants you to take, take 17. You don't know if you're profitable or not, you know, and, and, and unless you know your numbers. So most of them do that. Most of it's like, hey, how do we settle with you? And we get a phone call, um, you know, and a lot of times you'll get some stupid, you know, response. Hey, we need a broken down line item estimate. It's like it is broken down. It says quantities and what we're doing. It's just no, but I need a price for each one. No, you don't. We're billing lump sum. You know, uh, you, and I've got, I've got, uh, in my group, the lump sum contractor, you know, people are posting scope of works that are like one line item as per contractor bid, you know, 54,000. <laughs> it's like, yeah. you know, because that at the end of the day, that's what's supposed to happen. It's like, okay, here's how much it costs. This is what the contractor said, right? That's what determines the, the cost of a project. So um, it's getting, you know, when I first started fighting this battle, insurance companies thought I was, I was nuts, you know, but now that, every, now that a lot more people are doing it, you know, you're just running into some folks like, Oh, you're one of those lump sum guys. Okay. We give up. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm glad you brought that up because I've talked to a lot of contractors and I've asked them, you, Hey, do, do you do lump, lump sum contracts? Is that something, something that you do? And they say, well, I've heard about it or I've tried it or those kind of things. Uh, so obviously, you know, you're really knowledgeable about this and passionate about it. Um, if others want to learn about it, you know, specifically folks that are listening today, how do they get in touch with you or, or get help or assistance? Yeah, uh, well, there's a few ways. You can always uh, go to my Facebook group, um, The Lump Sum Contractor. Um, you know, there's a lot of information getting passed around on that. Uh, you know, folks are folks are really diving in. I, I have a video kind of describing it. We plan to release more videos that go in depth on what our contract looks like and all that kind of stuff. So we put a lot of, a lot of free information out on there just for everybody to have. Um, then also I have a consulting uh, business where I go in and I've done things like, you know, spend a day training uh, salesmen, uh, you know, how to do everything. Um, I'll come in and I don't just do, you know, this is just how we do our estimating. I, uh, there's a lot more factors to run a successful company than just that. So, uh, you know, we have, you know, packages where I can come in and spend several days with you and Zoom calls afterwards and all that kind of stuff. So you can go to bradgardnerconsulting.com for that. Um, or you can just call me, you know, my cell phone number is 601-431-6345. And I'll be happy to, to talk to, to whoever, uh, you know, I'm, I don't, I don't give all this out uh, and, and just so I can generate a bunch of consulting business or anything like that. I, I, I genuinely only care about contractors getting better because 
I, I mean, I've seen it in my business, like we were just saying a second ago, I've, I've seen where, you know, insurance companies have, have started to fold to this and just get it off my plate, you know, and, and, and that's only a result of everyone starting to kind of get on the bandwagon and saying, Oh, wait, we, we have the power to do this. We just have to get the homeowner on our side. Uh, so, you know, doing that, doing that's been really successful for us and I've seen a lot of other people be successful with it. So, uh, that's kind of how we do it. Awesome. And, uh, so Brad, I have to imagine, you know, you bring up a good point is, is, as more and more folks leverage this method, I think the responsibility is going to be collectively in the hands of the industry to not abuse it and not get to a place to where we're at today, where contractors are having to battle over individual line items. And so, yeah, I, you know, I think the responsibility for that really lies in the contractor's hands. I've asked, I've, I've asked um, almost at every speech that I've given on it, like, please don't get greedy with this. You know, you know where that line is in your head. I'm not going to be sitting here trying to govern that. It's not my role. Uh, I don't, you know, I'm not here with that, but I do ask that everybody try to try to, you know, do this with integrity, right? Um, go out there and, and stand up for what you feel you should be paid and don't abuse it because what will happen is insurance companies will see the abuse there and see the greed and they'll say, Hey, uh, we're going to write out appraisals. We're no longer going to accept appraisals. I've heard of stuff like that starting to happen in Florida, right? Where are they'll They'll find another way around it. Right. And, and we, we really don't want to use this as an, as a thing where insurance companies feel like they're being taken advantage of because they will combat it. And, and it's greed that got us here. It was the greed from the, the contractors that, you know, started inflating the estimates to cover deductibles and such. It was the greed from insurance companies that have just gone into full-on outright fraud uh, that's gotten us to where we are with Exacto 8. And, you know, the ball is kind of on our side of the court now. And how we combat that and how we move forward with integrity is going to determine how sex successful we'll be in the future. So I just, I hope that, I hope that folks, you know, kind of learn that lesson and I try to tagline it all with that because uh, it could really end up, you know, destroying a good thing. And, and yeah. we, we, we have a, a good checkmate here. Uh, don't give it up. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's great advice. Uh, Brad, as we wrap up, I just want to ask you one last question. You, know, What advice would you give to other contractors that are, you know, are, are looking to get their business off the ground? Maybe they've hit a rut. Uh, they're trying to take their business to the next level. What advice do you have for them? Yeah, I've been at that place a few times, you know, and, and first of all, I'll say surround yourself with people better than you and give them the credit. I don't know where I heard that from. It's definitely not my quote, but that was something I took to heart. And uh, I did that. Um, you, you, if you're an owner and you're meant to be an owner, uh, your role is probably uh I want to say probably not the, the most important role. Your role is the decision maker. Your role is to point us in the right direction, but you are not what makes the ship move. It's the people down there rowing every day that makes this thing move. So find the right people and surround yourself with them and, and make them feel proud to be a part of what they're doing. Because uh, I promise you, I've, 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 I lost everybody once. And uh, it was a real humbling experience to find out 
that I wasn't the important one, you know, um, like I thought I was. So I would, I would, that would be the biggest advice I could give anybody. That pretty much will solve whatever problem you have going on. Yeah. It's finding the right person to help you. Yeah, no, I, I love that. Absolutely. Uh, Brad, this has been really good. Really appreciate all the information you've shared with us. I think people are going to get a lot out of this, and I think there's going to be a lot more interest in it. I know you're already seeing it, but uh, you know there's more and more folks that I talk to that aren't familiar with it and think, wow, yeah, this is amazing. And uh, I think that momentum is just going to continue to carry on. So I really appreciate you joining us and sharing this message. Appreciate you having me, man. Uh, y'all have a good one and call me if you need me. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Well, that'll do it for today's show. I truly hope you enjoyed this episode of Leaps and Bounds. If you did, be sure to leave us a five-star rating and review and subscribe to the podcast. We look forward to bringing you more exclusive conversations with some of the most successful home improvement leaders. If you're interested in learning more about Leap, be sure to check us out at leaptodigital.com or follow us on our social channels. Until next time, see ya.